Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Hey, everyone. Before we get started with the show, I'm excited to announce two things. First is that my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed, is now live on Amazon. So go get it. The second thing is we have a new sponsor, Qualified.com. I'm going to tell you about them in the next couple seconds here and also how you can get a free copy of my book thanks to them. So who are these people? Well, Qualified is the number one live chat and chatbot platform for Salesforce and Pardot. Sales reps can have real-time personalized conversations with who? Your hottest website visitors. So I want you to know, I don't just partner with anyone. I genuinely love these guys and the platform, we use it at my company. Our sales team loves it. We've closed a lot of deals based on it. Um, had a lot of great conversations with prospects too. So, you know, a lot of marketing these days is what? Hurry up and wait, right? Fill out this form. And then if we pass you over to sales, maybe you'll swap six emails with them to find a good time to talk. But what if a prospect is doing research right now and they would chat now? Why not give them the opportunity? So the best part is your company actually decides what leads are worth a live chat. There's a lot of noise out there. You don't want to talk to everyone. So Qualified actually connects to Salesforce and Pardot, and it's able to pull in lead and contact information. So you can specifically know if you're talking to a VIP, a VP, a decision maker. It's really kind of like magic. Now, if you don't know who someone is, well, what happens then, Casey? Well, that's when the bots come in handy. Chatbots can then ask you know, questions to further qualify a lead. Find out if maybe this is someone you do want to talk to. And they can book meetings while your sales team is out. And they can wake up the next morning with a bunch of meetings on their calendar. Now, here's the promo. If you are a company that wants to give your sales team this ability, right, to be able to talk to decision makers right when they're on your website, do this. Go to qualify.com and start a chat, right? They use their own tool, of course. Start a chat. Tell them that Casey sent you. If you have Salesforce Pardot, when you schedule and then do a demo, they will send you a free copy of my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed. Not bad, right? Well, it's only while supplies last. So hop on this thing today. And that's it for sponsors. Let's get to the show. Let's do this. Let's do this. Coming at you live from the Studio B in the coronavirus bunker here in my home office. I'm excited for this one. Man, we are going to be learning today. I, I got my coffee, got my water, got my notes ready to rock because today's guest is an accomplished, award-winning marketing leader and a strategic team builder, right? Because you can't do it all yourself. You got to have people around you. They can complement where you are and you, you got to have that, that solid team around you. She's amazing with that. Also really keen on the details, which sometimes I overlook. So that's great to have her here and also loves a good challenge. She is the VP of Demand Gen and Content Strategy at Sixth Sense. Lisa Sherapata, welcome. Wow, thank you. That's quite the introduction. Yeah, I appreciate well, it. you're just crushing it on all like, like nine cylinders. It's probably not even real, but <laughs> you're doing it. So like, I'm stoked to have you here. All right. Well, I'm excited to... To chat. To get into it, Do right? It. So yeah. like this is our marketing leadership series, right? Sitting down with people like yourself. Thank you for your time. I know you're busy, you're running around, you're doing a bunch of stuff, but probably not traveling anywhere right now because we're all <laughs> stuck in our our relevant basements, at least you have a window. That's great. Um, yeah. So what I want to do here is pass you this. This is Thor's hammer. It's imaginary because the real one's back at the office. But take those. <laughs> All right, I got it. <laughs> now you can't get anything from it because it's in, it's invisible. It's mm -hmm. totally clean. Now take Thor's invisible hammer. Smash for me some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, misconception. Do you want to just set the record straight once and for all? Yeah, I think my biggest epiphany in the last year or so is that marketing needs to get their act together like we need to change the b2b buying process has changed considerably and we talk about that all the time but i don't think marketers have really like looked close at themselves to see what they need to change to keep up with that oh snap 
I think I think we're all kind of like sliding down in our chairs, like, oh, geez, kind of guilty of that. It, like, the buyer process is changing. We keep talking about it, right? Netflix, all these things influence that buying process. Yeah. Yet here we are doing the same old thing. Why are we yeah. doing it that way? Why why haven't we changed? Yeah, I think some of it's, you know, old habits die hard. Some of it's trying to figure this all out. I mean, there's all these different channels. And so we spent all this time and energy and money on tech to figure out how to market into all these different channels. And I think, you know, that's a lot of work just in of itself. It's true. And, and then you kind of just hit this wall and it's like, now trying to figure out how to manage a world in which your buyers are first of all on a team. So you've usually got like nine to 10 or more people on this buying team and they can do most of their research before they even talk to you. Right. So how in fact, do you... they probably prefer, right? They prefer, <laughs> Cause they know, we all know we're not yeah. dumb. You get a, you, you get asked for your phone number, you know, they're going to use it, yeah. you know? Or yeah, they're emailing, exactly. you know they're going to use it. Right. So you want to kind of avoid yeah. the traps. Exactly. And then and they're, they're smart and they know how to avoid those traps and they know when they fill out a form what you're going to do with that information or when you scan them at a event, what you're going to do with that information. And, you know, they're pretty good at ignoring emails and avoiding phone calls. Um, you know, it makes our job as marketers, you know, pretty tough. Does it does so? Yeah, they're on a team, so that's changed. What What are the different things that have changed? They're on a team now. They're doing most of the buying beforehand. Is there anything else that are the major changes that you're seeing? I think that those are really the two are those biggest the two biggies? ones. Yeah, and then on top of it, just again being so much savvier and like they know how marketing works, so they know how to avoid us when they don't want to talk to us. Right, they're in control. So true. Yeah. Savvy shoppers. That is so true. Okay. So how do we address that? Right. So I think we've all, we've all kind of seen that it's changed. We haven't changed. What direction should we be heading in? Yeah. Well, I have to say, um, I joined the Sixth Sense team about six months ago, but it was around a year ago at my last company when I started looking at that technology and just being able to see intent, see who's in market, know what they're looking for, that was my aha moment for sure, is that there is actually technology out there that can help me get ahead and see what's happening and what we call the dark funnel here at Sixth Sense, but it's all that research, all the keywords they're putting into Google to try to figure something out. We can see that across the buying team and get a good understanding of who's shopping, doing that research um, before they fill out a form. Got it. So and so okay. that was yeah. the first thing, intent data. Intent. Okay. Intent yep. is the path out of our status quo here. Can you explain, I mean, just the concept of intent in general and then, you know, how, how do you capture it, that kind of thing? Yeah. So if you think about... Um, let's say I'm trying to figure out how to manage my assets. So I'm going to Google search digital asset management or, you know, asset management, or, I mean, there's a different, you know, number of different variations to those keywords that I would type in. Um, but I'm searching for that and I'm in marketing and I'm searching for it one way, but then Let's say that we've got someone else over on the operation side of the business who else is trying to solve that problem. We're, you know, we're on this buying team. And we're all like charged with going and doing that. So they're in there and they're searching, you know, asset management for marketing teams and asset management for sales, whatever, you know, and so they're searching stuff. So all of this data and um, keywords are getting aggregated and Sixth Sense then picks up on all those signals and they match them to accounts. So it starts kind of building out this persona map within the account to show you who on that buying team or who in that account is engaging. Um, So we'll see like the number of times they've searched a keyword, the number of times they've come to our 
website, if they've gone to a competitor's website, what pages were they on? Really? What content did they touch? Yeah, we, I mean, we don't gate any of our content here at Sixth Sense. We can just see where they went and what they did. We don't need to gate it. Jeez. Yeah. This sounds like <laughs> witchcraft voodoo. So, well, so-, so you could say that, but then at the same time, if you're the person getting spammed, like, oh, hey, I saw you filled out a form and you're going to come to my webinar. <laughs> Do you want to talk to me? You know, it gets a little old. So wouldn't you rather someone be like, hey, I know you're having a problem with digital asset management and you need some help. Here's a white paper that could help you. Or we've got this upcoming webinar if you want to attend it. Here you go. Um, versus me like trying to, you know, fish with the net and find someone who might be interested in digital asset management. Right. Yeah. Right. Wow. Okay. So this kind of ties into ABM as well, because the idea is no longer are you trying to do the whole net out to everyone. You're super targeting. Yeah. But th- this is kind of interesting because, like, normally to get this data, wouldn't you have to be, um, you would have to be, you know, doing PPC ads to get the people doing the Google searches and the keywords. You'd have to actually get that click. You'd have to land them. You'd have to convert them to even know that that account was searching for those things. So you're kind of right. skipping. We reversed it, actually. We reversed it because we say, okay, here's all the people looking for this. Let's build a segment with that group of people. And then let's cross-reference it with, are they in our ICP? Do they fit our ideal customer profile? And then let's take out any that don't. And then you could even do it by industry or by persona or however you want to break your campaign into segments. And then you can just run targeted display to just those people mm-hmm. or a paid LinkedIn ad to just those accounts. So yeah, it just, again, it kind of flips it. It gives marketers that control back to not be wasting a bunch of dollars, you know, spray and pray, like hope I'm hitting the right people and bring them in and then make them fill out a form to find out if they were really interested or not. We're taking all the gates down all the guardrails down. We're saying, these are the people we know who are interested. We know they're in market. So let's proactively offer value to them while they're researching, while they're still trying to gather information instead of wait until they finally raise their hand and filled out a form and we scored them for this and we scored them for that and they've hit enough points and we throw them over to sales. God, I love how salty you are for the status quo of like, uh, (laughs) like, like noobs in your old ways, your OG ways. Uh, So you're like, I'm in the future. It's like you came back from 2,500 and, and you're like, Oh God, you're still doing it. You're still doing that way. You guys are still doing, it's like, it's like going back and looking at old school doctors. You're like, you don't use anesthesia. You know, like barbarians. (laughs) Well, yeah, I have to say, I mean, I just got so sick of redrawing another journey map and refiguring out my MQL scores and trying to tweak this and this to make it work when like this just isn't working. Like the the buyers are way too savvy for this now, you know? So yeah. Now, okay, how does this work, right? Can you explain this voodoo, voodoo magic? Because otherwise, doesn't it sound too good to be true? Like, oh, we'll just keep a list of all the accounts that are actually looking for what you do, and then you can go after them. Yeah, I mean, how does I can't get into all the technical details, but I can tell you that, so Sixth Sense has no been... No you're fine. Yeah. That's right. Collecting <laughs> proprietary information from third parties. They've been in business for seven or eight years now. So. Okay. Um, we use all these third-party um, networks that are GDPR compliant. You know, everything has is on the up and up of how we pull in the data. And they strip out anything that is not GDPR compliant. So you don't get, okay. like, so-and-so at this company is doing this, their name. But what you get is they're a part of this account, um, this title so they know it's sales marketing what level they're at and again it builds out this persona map for you with that intent data and then once they start raising their hand right once you start doing the outreach and they come in then you can add it's joe from xco 
um, versus it just being a marketing leader from Exco. You get that if they complete something on your. Yeah, or if you yeah if you send them enough time and they finally raise their hand, they're like, yeah, we want to see a demo. Or I mean, you know, there's certain things we have to collect information on if you want to see a demo. Right. If you're going to attend a webinar and we need to send you the link to join it. So you don't get um, people's contact information. You just get sort of like the account and some, and some demographics around it. Would yeah. you use like a, a data partner to then be like, hey, can you hook me up with all the people that work at Treasure Impact? We do. So actually we um, built into our technology now. We have Zen IQ. And so you can click and say like, I want to buy these contact people. Oh, things. sick. You're like the Apple iTunes store of the – the voodoo dark yeah it's not voodoo (laughs) but yeah it it is i mean it's it is kind of like apple itunes where it's like i don't have to buy every song on the album i only need these three these are my favorites the ones i want click and you yeah interesting so how when like what i like about this right you know i know you're at six cents now and you know you could easily just be a you know just be pitching right now but what i like about it is there's a story to this so can you tell me when you first bumped into it, it did, did someone like pull you aside smack you around and were like you gotta get into this or like did you search for it how did you find out about the intent yeah. data and using that versus just your standard what you've been doing um so again yeah i was at a company called a primo and we um again just kind of going through this whole like storyboarding and tweaking this and tweaking that and there's got to be a better way and we had a revenue operations person who also like managed our crm and you know did a lot of stuff and so you know we just started talking we're like let's let's find let's see what's out there and um we just started vetting different um solutions and i mean what we liked about six senses it actually um, pulls all that data into Salesforce and then it creates an oh, iframe nice. in Salesforce. Yeah. And so your sales team can then see all this too. Yeah. And there's a timeline in there which shows you who did what when. And so it just makes it so easy for sales and marketing to collaborate. And we were a very collaborative group. Our BDR is sat on the marketing side of things and we were shifting everything to ABM anyway. And so this just really enabled us to like go gangbusters and, you know, join forces with our BDR team um, on the outreach too. So. So you're already shifting everything to ABM because I'm trying to figure out how you encountered this. So I think for a lot of people, they haven't necessarily encountered the idea of using intent data and I mean, what's the category? What do you even call it? I mean, Pardot's marketing automation. What is Sixth Sense? It's a yeah. I mean, we say we're ABM orchestration, um, but I really think that the future is to be determined. I mean, our point of view There's is no, that we're yeah. a revenue operation platform. I mean, we allow you to basically predict what your revenue is going to be because you can see who's in market. So it's, it's like all, a, it's all new. Yeah. In market, in market, psychic targeting. I yeah. won't say voodoo anymore. So you don't be. Well, me. account-based, yeah. Uh, you know, account-based orchestration is, is where it all started. You know, now. Oh, account-based orchestration. Okay. Account-based engagement platform. But again, like what, what does that all mean? Right. It's really just the ability to be able to scale your account-based marketing programs, but you know, the outcome is it's intent driven. It's, you know, who's in market. Yeah. You can see what industry, I mean, you can break this down. How, how did you learn about it as a marketer? Or were you just kind of like yeah, going to just shows? Re- and just stuff? research. And I okay. mean, we were going to shows, right. And we were at some of the same shows as I mean, I was already in B2B tech marketing tech space so you know yes we started running into it there but i would say that we were you know pretty early adopters yeah and you know you asked the question too i think the biggest thing that we were getting pressed on was how are we going to scale this abm program 
okay. It's great what you're doing, cool, but it, it's not scalable was kind of what our CEO kept pushing back on us with. And we're like, yeah, it's a lot of manual <laughs> work right now. We got to, we got to fix that. Right. Okay. So was it like, yeah. okay, we, we, you, your tier one ABM targets were, it was like a hundred, but it's like, how do you make that a thousand? You're like, you know, yeah. so how do you, well, and then how do you, so your tier ones, it was like a finger in the wind too. Like mm. guess, Wild Goose Chase, who, why are these my tier ones? Are they even shopping? Right. They could be your tier ones, but they may not be shopping. So it's right. like they're in tier one, but they're in that because they fit other criteria, but they're not necessarily in that because they're needs. Who knows if they're in market or not? And so then what we were doing, like these really cool direct mail pieces, like these video cards and stuff, we're spending hundreds of dollars going after these tier one accounts. And probably only 10% of them were actually looking for digital asset management. That brings so, up a good, a good question for, for ABM. Um, is your tier one, because I think even when the way I was, you know, explained it, you're prioritizing based on who is your best customer. Does, does the fact that they're buying, you know, in the cycle, does that, I mean, I guess it, it counts now based on this information, but do a lot of people just make their tier one based on like size and in the same yeah. design as all the other tier ones they've been working with? Like, yeah. Okay. And yeah. Is, that, is that how you started doing it? And you're like, well, how do we grow this or how do we expand that? Yeah. I mean, it started with, okay, this is our ICP, right? This is our ideal customer profile. Then let's break that down by region and who, who we, you know, who do we think would be good? Who knows somebody at some of these places? Oh, this would be a great logo to get. Or um, so-and-so knows so-and-so that used to work there, so we might have a chance. Or, you know, I mean, it was, <laughs> let's go on LinkedIn and see what we can find out about these guys. You know, it was just a lot of, like, research and digging to try to kind of narrow it down to, all right, here's the top 100. Instead of just having all this data pouring in saying, Here it is, here's your list. I mean, okay. yes, yeah, we married up with our ICP for sure. Um, but even like right now with how much stuff is changing, who was in market three weeks ago is not necessarily who's okay. in market today. That's true. Our our territories are dynamic and they're changing every day. Hmm. So I mean this kind of changes it up. Um you could finger in the wind. It does feel like that sometimes with ABM that your tier ones, I mean, or are they just the, the top 100 largest companies you could land? You know, I, I guess. Um, but then this mm -hmm. kind of mixes it up because now it's like, here are the different kinds of companies. It, yeah. Is it a large list? I mean, do you, I mean, how much data can you get and, what are the limitations for some services is like no idea marketing automation. Well, I yeah. Know. I mean, I see no, I have not seen any limitations. I, in the, you know, in the uses I've you know had with it. Yeah. Huh. Well, it sounds like it's worth a, worth a, worth a check, worth a try. You got to try it out. Cause I know sometimes with like the data providers, they have the decision makers at big companies, but then you try to sell the SMB, forget about it. You know, like you don't have data. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's not that, I mean, I'm using it every day. I'm going in, huh. looking at my segments, looking at what's happening. Um, well, and for example, like events getting canceled, I'm pulling in the event list that I had. Yeah. And then I'm saying, all right, I want to market to these people, but I also, I'm, so I'm going to take this, um, lunch and learn that we were doing at the event. I'm going to bring it online and make it virtual. I've got my event list, so I'm clearly going to market to those people. But who else does it make sense for me to market this to? It's a see, it's a sales focused webinar. Um, I want sales leaders at it. The keywords are BDRs and revenue. I'm going to put that in, build out my segment figure out how to grow that segment from just my event list. And then I can go from there and start marketing to that segment. Interesting. Um, yeah. I like yeah. the fact that, you know, you're using this kind of thing every day so we can learn that the practical side from you, you're, you're using it for the segmentation. 
um, are you using this kind of information to, I mean, really, you kind of, does it grow your list or does it pare it down or just refocus it? Yeah, I mean, in some cases, it can grow my list, depends on what I do. And then usually what I'll do then is I'll go in and I'll try to pare it down because I want to do a very specific value added campaign. Yeah. Um, so let's say I start off with a list of like 10,000 accounts. And sometimes that's fine. But usually then I go in and I'm going to say, all right, I don't want any open opportunities. I want this to be all net new potential. Mm -hmm. That's going to take it down considerably. So that might be that. Or I might want only accounts that we deem are in consideration, which we have like our own um, scoring that happens in the background based on how much um, engagement they have, like how what percentage of the account has been to our website, for example, right. things like that. We're scoring like what they're doing and then so I'm so if I'm just going to only work on the accounts in consideration my goal might be just to get them to come to our website and go to this content stream that we made that's specifically on this topic that we know they were looking for but if they're in decision and purchase I might want to offer up you know a free demo or you know talk to one of our you know BDRs about how we can help you or something because I know right. that they're they're getting close to wanting to put together an RFP and I you know I want to make sure I'm on it or I can even search and say everyone who has searched for this one competitor of mine and I want to do a competitive play against that what that, that sounds so unfair in amazing way <laughs> well um, at least in my space it's not because our competitors are doing the same thing uh, so. good good point. But for everybody else, it definitely gives you the advantage. But for a category like yours where we're not even sure what to call, I mean, you're sure what to call, but it just seems like it's still in development. How do you get enough data to be able to, I mean, it's not like a, you know, a CPQ category or some kind of long established technology. It's so new, but you're still able to have data for yourself to use it yourself. How does right. So, I mean, it all comes back to the keywords that we put in at the beginning. Oh, okay. So we have branded keywords and generic keywords. The branded ones are our competitors for the most part. We might put like a title of an event in there on occasion if we're trying to create a, a new list and we don't get the list ahead of time for that event. Yeah. Um, then on the generic side, it's anything someone might be looking for. So intent data, account-based marketing, um, sales pipeline, Website personalization was hot for a minute. I mean, it's just kind of funny how they kind of rotate out. But, um, you know, we've gone through and anything that we could potentially help with or that would indicate that someone was in market or kind of in distress and looking for help on how to solve a problem that we can solve for is a keyword that we have. Jeez. Wow. Yeah. So everybody can just customize it to their own keywords and customers or competitors and then go from there what's the learning curve like you know because i know with like ppc there's people that mm. if you don't know how to do ppc adwords and whatnot you're going to be an idiot and you're going to waste money yeah. google's going to make a fortune on you and you got to learn the keywords and is is there is there a similar kind of finesse with figuring out keywords on, on this same this kind of a platform too or is yeah i mean, I mean how do you learn that, that side to it i think the keyword part there's a lot of ways you can go about it usually if you're already focused on seo and really understanding like seo and long tail and what people are searching for to come to your website that's a really good place to start mm. so that that's kind of the first step the how to get up to speed i would say each role, and it's usually kind of the people on that buying team who are going to play a role, kind of uses it differently. So I don't know if you've ever like dabbled in Adobe Photoshop or something, mm -hmm. but barely survived. Like I'm ten different the ways. <laughs> <laughs> there's ten different ways to skin a cat in Photoshop, right? Sure, and true. I feel like same thing with Sixth Sense, like. I'm going to use it differently than our digital marketing person is going to use it or than our salesperson is going to use it. And there's a lot to it, but the basic 
kind of 101. It's it's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah. So how many, how quickly would I be up and running? You think? Well, I would say when we first brought this on, within three months, we were up and running. Huh. Like the whole team. Some yeah. of it has to do with like how a, clean a, is your primo, right? The first time you yeah. used it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's cool. Some of it has to do with like how clean is your data? You know, how uh, clean is your CRM? Right. True. Because crap in, crap out. Like if what kind of crap do you need to put in? What kind of stuff, you know, like, well, what data yeah, you if you want to sync with like what accounts you already have and know, or who's your ICP, um, you know, being able to build that out okay. is important. Um, but All hopefully, back to data. yeah, I mean, hopefully if you, you know, you've been already working on cleaning that up, because I think there's been a a push for that over the last decade <laughs> so yes. maybe yeah. maybe in 10 years it'll stick <laughs> <laughs> well I, I really truly do believe that the companies that make the move and get on board with this way of thinking are going to be the ones that make it I just yeah. I really don't see how um, if you keep doing what you're doing you're gonna survive you know, in 10 years from now. And, and why not, you know, kind of be a devil's advocate that, you know, what, what, I mean, yeah, it, yeah why it not? just goes back to the beginning of the conversation yeah. because, you know, the buyers are so smart now and they're in control and they don't need to fill out a form to get the information they want. And they don't want to take your phone call and they're doing all their research before they raise their hand to talk to you. So you so, need to go find them before the 90% is done or the 80% yeah. or whatever. Yeah. They're not going to come reach out to you until they already selected you or not. So yeah. you need to go proactively get going. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. They've, they've made most of their decision before they're going to reach out and raise their hand and say, we want to talk to you. And half the time they're putting together with their RFP and they're just like, all right, I have to have five people on here for procurement. So who else am I going to put on? Oh, that's the worst. Being, you don't want to no, be that no, for no. no. Oh, I've been invited to an RFP. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want it to be an uphill battle, right? I mean, right. you want to get in there when it's kind of that sweet spot and they're still formulating their opinion. Right. And you can be a part of that. I get it. So we're, we're kind of, we're like shortening the buyer. Not the journey, but we're shortening. Uh, no, we're. I don't know, we're, we're getting out ahead of it, right? We're getting out right. ahead of them reaching out to us if right. they do or not. Right. I mean, all this research is still happening. This, what we call the dark funnel, yeah, it's still happening. Talk about that part. Talk about the dark and, funnel. Yeah, I mean, the dark funnel part is that, like, we call it, like, the swirly, twirly, like, tornado of keywords and searches and all the stuff that, as a marketer, you you wouldn't have any insight into what's happening. And uh, right. when I was at a primo, we actually kind of coined this. We're like, we're shining the light on the dark funnel. That was kind <laughs> of our thing. It's like, this gives us visibility into what's happening there. And so it does move up everything. You're right. If what I consider decision and purchase stage is before I even call it pipeline. But that's when they're formulating their opinion. And they're getting ready to decide what they want to buy is before they say, all right, we want you to come in and talk to us. Right. And basically just justify everything we've already decided. Right. Right. Kind of confirm, or, confirm our suspicions, not teach us from scratch. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe it's down to the top two choices and we want to really see the nitty gritty details of what's the difference between the UI and the modules like get right. into the weeds. That that's the final stage, right? So Right. And yeah. this dark funnel is happening. You may not be one of the two that are compared. It's not may not even be your fault. Maybe the person's terrible doing research. Like or <laughs> or their friend Bob Ann and Mary Sue like recommended the wrong software. Right. But now I would know that because they were yeah. searching for the my competitor and I can see that. Right. Right. Yeah, so I can scoop know. in, save the day. Oh, yeah, you'll be fine <laughs> with this one. I mean, well, how do you do that? What if, if you see someone searching for your 
competitor? What kind of th- thoughts and, and how do you kind of interject yourself without being a total jerk spammer person? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, a couple of things. We really take the high road. Um, I've seen a lot of down and dirty, like brass tactics, but we just, we know what some of our key differentiators are. And so we'll do targeted display ads, like our match rates are better. Um, so right there, if you start off with one of our competitors, it's going to say um, it's X account, but it's really Y account. And so you are marketing to the wrong people or even more embarrassing, like they come into your drift bot and you think that it's X account, but it's Y account and you address them wrong. Like that's just a major turnoff. So we'll do, you know, targeted display saying our match rates are better or something like that, that differentiates us from the competitor. We know that they're, they're talking to so that they start thinking, Oh, I need, you know, these are the things I should be asking. Right. I need to know. I need to know that. I need to think about that. Right. So that, that's the yeah. approach we take. Yeah. So you got me all curious, right? Now I'm thinking like, I want to go search for uh, competitors and, and I want to see if I guess are getting cookie. That's cool. You start showing up for people. So it's like, oh, maybe I should look at them too. Do you do anything more aggressive, like directly reach out? I mean, you kind of start showing up in places and being like, oh, found them. Sweet nothing than the mail, like anything more assertive. If they're searching for no, I would say we our whole formula is no spam, no forms, no cold calls. So we're not gonna just start hounding people or or calling them. I mean, if we know that they're talking to a competitor and they're showing the intent and we're working that account and they've agreed to have a call with us and we're giving them a demo, of course we would say, we know you've been looking at X competitor. Let me show you some of the differences. Because um, you're already in sure. communication with them, so you can kind of. Right. But that's yeah. what you said no spam, no forms, no cold calls. Yeah. That's some pretty aggressive stuff, right? That put a little exclamation point next to all three of those things. Yeah. I mean, that is that is the vision of our CMO, and I am 110% bought into it. Just goes back to the experience you're trying to create. and. You know, we, we talked briefly about this at the beginning, but marketers, they keep doing the same thing. Well, no one wants to fill out a form. Right. Everyone's going to dodge your cold call. I don't, how many emails am I getting every day? I don't, I'm not opening all of them. And if it's like, oh, oh, this is my favorite. Oh, we haven't heard back from you. Are you, you oh, know, do that. you really want to talk to me? And I'm like, if you wanted, if I wanted to talk to you, I would have replied. Right. So. Sometimes they have a number too. P- press one if you do want to hear. Press two if you don't. Press three if you're from Mars. Hee hee. And then you're like two. Leave me alone. <laughs> um, okay. So, but with this with this setup though, no spam, no form. You're just waiting for people to fill out your form. No, no form. we don't. We don't have to have the form. But a contact. How do they contact you? Well, I said, I mean, the only time would be like if they want to see a demo, but otherwise, if we know that they're in market, we are outreach. We wait until we know that they're showing enough intent that they're in decision or purchase. Okay. And then our outreach is very specific and value add. Hey, we know you've been searching for digital asset management and it looks like you could use some help trying to figure this and this out. We've got this upcoming webinar that we think you'd you know benefit from, or hey, here's a case study from our other another customer of ours that did this really well that might be helpful to you with our, you know, and so it's right. very value add. And I mean we're we're very clear, like we know you're having this problem, we know that you need help with this, and I'm gonna just offer you the help. I'm not gonna gate it, I'm not gonna see if you find it yourself or if you fill out the form after I send it to you. Um, okay. yeah, just a different approach. Um, yeah, so you're, you're waiting and instead of, you know, just blasting people with a net, you know, like blasting everyone, you're waiting for them to be at the right stage to reach out when you know your message is probably most welcome because you're just trying to help them. Yeah. There and contrast. Um, yeah. well, talk to me. I mean, you mentioned you've got some, you got some bots, you got some chat going on on your site. Um, you what's your take? I mean, conversational marketing is the, moniker it's going by these days what's your take on you know chat making its way into the b2b world 
Yeah. So we actually, we partner with Drift and we also partner with Uberflip. Um, so Uberflip does our content hub. And the whole idea behind it is back to this personalization where if, so we run the data um, for Drift and Uberflip's um, backend. So oh, cool. we, we know the accuracy, right? But anybody can, can purchase this. And so we have it set up where if it comes in and we know that who that account is, our bot is like, oh, hey, um, Red Hat or Cognizant uh, or whatever. The bot automatically says that? They'll know, they know who it is. And then we, they also know they've been searching for these things. Hey, can we help direct you to, you know, find this type of content or that kind of type of content? And I think that that's where the value comes in. It's not having the bot there. I think that's becoming more table stakes now and kind of you're um, got someone monitoring your site 24 seven and whatever, but it's helping direct them to work, get them where they wanted to go faster, offer value faster. Um, So that's where I really, I see the future of it going. And I think is the value add and what the really cool part about it. Yeah, right. I mean, your bot just said hi, friend, because I'm not. Uh, I'm not one oh, of those yeah, because we, we don't know who you are. Know, yeah. Yeah. It also just asked me my location. Well, we want to know your location. I'm like, I bet you do, Six Sense. I bet you do. Um, wow, that's cool that it ties it, that it, people aren't creeped out by that, knowing their company when they say hi to them. Oh, I, I think it kind of goes back to if we offer them the value up front mm, yeah. and they find what they're looking for faster, then it's cool. Yeah. If it's spammy and and yeah, you know, weird, then it's a turnoff. Um, so and I will say, like, our whole website's getting an underhaul right now. We we just started getting all this enabled with um, drift and getting the personalized portion of it working. Yeah. So in six months from now, like where I see this being versus where it is today is going to be night and day. It. I mean, it's just, just imagine if you came in and, and you were looking for a case study on intent data. And I knew that because you Google searched it and I was like, Hey, you're looking for a case study on, you know, intent data. And you're like, yeah. And I give you all, here's three. Here you go. You don't have to dig through everything, try to find it. Let me help you find what you're looking for. Wow. Or like, we also use it to help people register for a webinar. So instead of that long form fill, if we know who you are, it's like, hey, Casey, you want to sign up for the webinar? Thanks. I just sent you a link to it. It's in your email. Like you can skip the form. You don't need to do that part. I already know who you are. Right. So like a, like a, um, let's take kind of sort of like a, uh, like a VIP. Yeah. Like a, like a (laughs) butler, but like, you know, someone who's like really concierge, like a concierge, like someone's taking care of you. And yeah, right. VIP where you come in and it's like, oh, no, 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 no. You know, yep. you already have your card on file or you have an account here. Like, oh, no, you take care of it in the back end. Um, come right on in. You don't need your, oh, do you, I need my tickets for the show? Oh, no, no, no. We, you, we know who you are. Yep. Come on in. Well, we yeah. have your seats right down this way. You're like, oh, well, thank you. Exactly. You're at the front of the line. You don't you yeah. have to wait for That's all that. That's a good experience to have. Yeah. I mean, people, people appreciate that. On a flight or anything like that. Oh, like they're like, hello, Mr. Cheshire. Uh, would you like the <laughs> the beef or the the pasta? Oh, or it's just like we know that you don't eat meat, <laughs> so here's your vegetarian yeah. meal. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah this, I'm gluten free, so like, I'm are you? <laughs> yeah. yeah, like as a preference, or like you got to stay away from it. Um, it's a preference, but it's my daughter is celiac so i've learned over time just how much better i feel so i i avoid it yeah you know i i feel like i'm i'm similar i i don't i don't know just me and bread i love bread but sometimes you know it's like afterwards just ah it's one of those things it's probably just like unhappy with it yeah i know i know we talked about like um i love to travel i was in paris last summer and it's very hard to be gluten free there. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, I just, you know, we gotta have a croissant, and you, you have to, you just have to when you're there. 
after a couple of days of that, I was like, oh, <laughs> the the rumor that the wheat in Europe is not as tainted or whatever is in the States, uh, not true for me anyway. Interesting. <laughs> like, this is yeah. I was there last summer too. Oh, really? Um, yeah, we could have like even passed each other on the Champs-Élysées or something like it. Who knows? Um, and, you know, I, I think sometimes when I do the croissants or whatnot, it might be the butter in it. You know, it could mm-hmm. be the dairy. It kind yeah. of, but, but I actually found that when I, we, um, one of the best things we had was like the, the little corner market, uh, not a market, it's like a little bakery. And it was fresh baguette, fresh ham, and fresh Swiss or something. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know, like how could something so simple be so good? Uh, maybe the protein. I don't know. But I had crepes too. You never know. I mean. <laughs> ah, there it is. There it is. The, and the, the wine. I mean, it could have been a number of things. Right. So. Oh, I love Paris. Yeah. I love France. Did, yeah. Have you been there great. before? No, it has been on my bucket list since I was a kid. So finally got to go. Yeah. You know what? I, I had, you know, all the stuff with like freedom fries and stuff and hearing that people are rude in Paris and stuff. I, I didn't know what to expect when I got there. I actually enjoyed it so much more because the surprise was like a 180. I'm expecting people to be like all standoffish and then they weren't. And I was like, oh, this is fantastic. And then I realized I very quickly their core values are like good wine, good food, and then like culture, like art or park or whatever. And yeah. like, let's do that. Everything else, business, time, is sort of Eh, all good. Um, but incredibly business lunch over there, it's like, heck yeah, uh-huh. it's so good. I know. I mean, I took French when I was little. I didn't do Spanish. Um, and so I was like really hoping to dust off some of it. And I yeah. had done some prep work and like was ready to use some of my French. And, you know, I've read that the big reason why French are so big on everyone using their language is that was the one thing that they found that like unified their country when it started. Wow. And so I was like, I'm going to, you know, I've got all my phrases, like the ones I need when I go into, right. you know, a restaurant ready to go. And everyone spoke English and nobody even wanted to let me try to speak French. Like I'd be like, bonjour, you know, and, and then I'd be like, hi, uh, what do you want for breakfast? <laughs> really? What part of the city were you in? The heart of the city. Wow. Yeah. They wouldn't yeah. let you do it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, just, it was pretty much everywhere we went. So interesting. Anyway, interesting. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. sometimes you hear like if you if you butcher it, they're they're really ticked off at you. Um, so I was just like polite and like hellos and goodbyes and please and thank yous and everything else was like English guy right here. Um, but I love your culture, you know. Um, yeah. Whereas uh, my wife actually was actually pretty decent really good with the french so people were like it was almost like they were okay with us because she was like i know what you're saying like i watch my mouth and then i'm like i don't know what you're saying but i'm a nice guy so they were kind of like okay with it but for me they were like just don't just don't even try but thank you for trying we'll be nice to you because you tried (laughs) right Right? but it's kind of like oh bonjour bonjour yeah (laughs) merci 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 and and uh money and everything and like yeah can they tell that i'm not from here yes they can i think so (laughs) well question for you i mean you've got all this amazing experience with dark funnel travel who are you can you take us back in time to like doing the the younger years you know uh little lisa days and like you always know you're gonna be in marketing and Take us back. Yeah, it's kind of funny. No, um, I wanted to be an astronaut for yeah, since um since the Challenger space shuttle just was blown up when I was in fourth grade. So that'll age me. Oh, but geez. I was just so intrigued. I'm like, that would be the coolest job in the world. I wanna explore the unknown, you know, I wanna go to another planet and that would be so cool, and I was infatuated with it. Um, always before, the or after the the, uh, the challenger, starting with when the challenger. Really? So that yeah. like got your attention, even though it was it faster. It kind of you're like, well, they were noble, they're heroes. And like, yeah, and I think it was just like that is the coolest thing I could ever think of to do. Like, right. if I'm gonna die, that's how. It's gonna be. Right. <laughs> like, right. Um, just. 
the un like getting a chance to explore the unknown and you know I'm not a huge Trekkie fan but like go places that no one's ever been before like I just thought that would be so cool and after so I went to space camp when I was a teenager no kidding I did I've always heard about that what's that like Mm -hmm. how old were you I was 15 or 16 and um so when you get in they give you this rigorous test and everyone takes it and then they put you in groups and I scored third in my group. Well, first gets to be pilot, second gets to be co-pilot, and third is mission control. So I was basically grounded. I'm like, oh no. You still get to go on a mission, whatever everyone does, but I was like, that's it. This is this is like I can't do it. What that I chips. finally Yeah, what I realized was in order to get on a space shuttle. You either have to be a pilot or a co-pilot, which yeah. I have asthma. Like there was just a couple of reasons why I probably wouldn't have ever gotten picked for that. And then otherwise you have to have a specialty that yeah. they want you to do that experiment in space for some reason. Yes. Right. And how much science goes into that. And I was like, I'm out. I just, physics, <laughs> the science, like, right. that's not what I wanted. So that was the kind of the pivot for me, the changing point. But um, I mean, I still love that stuff. I just think what I've kind of taken away from that is what I really like is kind of exploring uncharted territory, trying new things. Um, And I also am somewhat like the science and the data behind the reasons why for things, which has kind of gotten me where I am. So I I started off in graphic design. which interestingly enough, I dropped out of my physics class after my um, space camp experience. Yeah. And the only thing open was this art class. So they put me in it and ended up getting an art scholarship and going really? on to graphic design That was at like school. high school, right? At high school, yeah. you're like, screw you physics. You weren't there when I needed you. So you're like, what, where, where's the pottery class? Like, what, what can I do here? <laughs> it was a graphic design class. Yeah, that's cool. Anyway. Um, yeah, they were like, this is the only thing open that you can get into right now. So I took it and I really liked it. Um, but uh, where I've gotten to today from that point was just always asking why, why are we doing it this way? Why would you put that message so on this ad? Who, who are you trying to communicate that to? And eventually it's kind of gotten, gotten me where I'm at. Always asking why. You know, what an interesting twist and fate you know that the space camp now if you hadn't had that experience you may have pursued that and been in physics and not got the scholarship and then done something else and just kind of been disillusioned but you kind of found out early okay like what the heck let's go i know i know i told my dad i'm like that was money well spent because i didn't waste any time in college like i was just kind of like seriously so you could have even gotten a degree in something you weren't hip so you know i was almost like going to be like a fighter pilot i was going to be a pilot in the military (laughs) i ended up being like grunt instead in the marine like i was scheduled to like go to the air force academy and you know other than my grades and tank like i'm so thankful now that i did terribly impactful because um yeah i would be a terrible pilot like well you know we're scheduled to go to um newark new jersey but i hate jersey let's go to hawaii instead <laughs> we have enough fuel like freak people out people don't need that in regular consistent pizza oriented right and i was like that's not me i'm more creative like, like back to design time so i totally get that Dad, did you know about yeah. the graphics and that kind of creative side? Not really. Um, my dad was in package design, and I remember when I told nice. him graphic design, he was like, "What's that? I never heard of that before." <laughs> you know, I'm like, "That's what I'm doing." <laughs> so, I'm, I'm sure he's yeah. glad you did. Wow, you get a scholarship for it too. Yeah. So you go to school for that, and then and then what happens after that? In you're in school, you're doing graphic design, education. Yeah, so I started off in agencies after that, a couple small agencies, and I just kind of realized that I really wanted to understand like why the decisions were being made, that they were being made, and I felt like on yeah. the agency side, I was just at the whim of the client's discretion. I didn't really have the chance to ask more questions, and so I um, actually moved to Denver, 
worked for a startup tech company that started e-learning actually. Um, and that was kind of, that's my first in-house, but then also my first tech company and startup. And I just really loved that vibe. Like that was yeah. fun and exciting. And there was so much going on and it was new and getting to help shape the future of, you know, a company's brand and all that was, was really exciting for me. And that's yeah. kind of took off from there. There's some energy with that, right? Like it's the unknown. Yeah. You're charting your own course, right? It's your own little that's space. Right. Kind of back to my, yeah. my space camp days where, you know, it's just the adventure of it was really fun. That is cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Question for you. Uh, hypothetical, potentially. I may or may not have a time machine here in Bashwood, New Hampshire. Um, can't visit now because of what we're all in. Well, can I be the pilot when we do? Well, that, you can be the pilot. <laughs> you are the you are in the number one seat. You are in the pilot seat. Uh, you're in the all left right. seat. You're you're gonna make it happen. If you could travel back in time in that time machine um, to visit yourself at the beginning of your career, really any point in time, um, earlier if you like, what kind of advice would you give yourself? Yeah, you know, I think it would be just to be more bold. And I spent a lot of time kind of sitting back trying to understand everything and get my arms around how it worked or why this person thought this or that before like coming to any conclusions or challenging anything or like putting myself out there. And I've kind of come to learn that usually my instincts are pretty good and I'm offering value and contributing and I wish I would have just gone for it, you know, in certain situations and been more bold. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Boldly go. <laughs> <laughs> Back to that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. No, that it's so true, right? Just to kind of do it and see what happens. And sometimes we can analyze too much. Wow. Wow. Do you, now I know we're all kind of stuck where we're at right now, but when this whole thing lifts, like you could go anywhere, it would be your like next destination for travel. So right. like anywhere could be anywhere around the planet. Where would you go? Yeah, number one on my bucket list is Greece. Ooh, I have not number, been there. Oh, I've heard so many good things about it. I I cannot wait to go there. Um, definitely next on the list. Um. I would you do like a cruise or would you visit one of the <laughs> islands or multiple islands? Yeah, right. I know. I'm a little cruise shy now. Uh, yeah, I've never done a cruise. Um, the closest I came to it was I did a scuba diving certification trip. And at that point, I was like, I don't ever want to do a cruise. Uh, I love scuba diving, but the cruise part, no. Um, no, I would just, I'd love to just be there and explore the different islands. and. Yeah. I've seen like REI has some cool trips there too where you can do like a kayaking trip that oh, wow. I might consider that, you know, kind of pricey, but it would be pretty cool. Yeah, those trips so, get a little pricey. Yeah. Wow. I think yeah, Greece cool. seems like one of those. I love when you can kind of walk around a corner and see people living the way they have always lived. And just, yeah, I mean, I've spent some time in Italy and what part? I thought that was amazing. Um, Venice. Florence, Cinque Terre, Rome, um, and I imagine Greece to be somewhat similar, maybe, uh, but I That's did really question. enjoy that, because it's just seeing the ruins and the history, and it, I didn't think that it was going to impact me as much as it did, because I studied some of that in college, right, art, history, and it's like, nah, but a picture doesn't do it justice. Seeing that stuff in person is just, that's my preference. Anyway. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's just yeah. being there and experiencing it. For me, one of the, my favorite places in Italy was Assisi. I don't know if you've heard of that. Yes, um, I have. It's like mm -hmm. St. Francis of Assisi, but like it's this little hilltop town, a little castle on the top and everything's uphill both ways um but cobblestones and there's a monastery there um and one time when i was honeymoon was there with the missus and um we were 
visiting the castle and it started a little light rain. So we hid under like the gateway of the castle to get out of the rain. You're just like, damn, this is amazing, you know? See all around. And then one day we actually were woken up with trumpets and bells. Apparently it was like the flag day for that particular community. So they're like trumpets sounding in different communities all across the hillside. Where are we? What movie are we in? It's crazy. It's so cool. I mean, you see right now they show the Italians like singing from their balconies. And when I was in Venice, it was actually 2001. And it was right when we were going to um, war with Iraq. And they had um, this peace parade down the canal, which was just all boats with peace flags and music. No words. No rioting, no guns, none of the crazy stuff you see, you know, happen around here. It it was the most meaningful peace rally I've ever seen in my life. Like you felt that peace when you saw this happening. It it just just something about the culture in different countries and how they uh, do things. It's so I love experiencing that, you know, that that difference and maybe even the brands are different, every you know. You might spot a Kit Kat, but then every other piece of candy is like some foreign thing. You're like, I should try that. It's like, That's yeah. Yeah, the Tam Tam. <laughs> have you ever had the Tam Tam? Oh, I, don't think I, uh, I don't think I have. Tim Tam, Tim Tam. Yeah, I think they're Australian. Or they might be English, but the first place I had them was in Australia. But um, I've seen them in London, too. Interesting. Yeah. I do know there's like a, like a Kit Kat, but it's with coffee. It's like coffee-flavored Kit Kat. It's actually really good. And you're like, oh, oh yeah. they have them in Canada, too. Um, you're like, all right, don't mind if I do. Well, yeah. chocolate and coffee. I mean, you can't really go wrong. You can't go wrong. So. so, yeah. Well, hey, where can people connect with you if they want to reach out, say hi, connect, learn more about Sixth Sense, learn more about your experiences, yeah. all those things? Yeah, well, for me, I'm my biggest channel is LinkedIn. So okay. just Lisa Sharapata on LinkedIn. Um, I have a Twitter handle. It's at Lisa Sharapata. Um, and then our Sixth Sense website is the number six and then the word sense. So the number six, S-E-N-S-E.com. And um, it's a great place to start if you want to find out more about Sixth Sense. Yeah. What do you recommend? Is Like get a demo or what? I do. That's we also stuff. have like these always on Tuesday morning and Thursday morning demos that you can sign up for that are... Huh. Um, just kind of no, no pressure, right? So there's that option as well. You said it's Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, yes, there's one for sales that's more sales focused on Tuesdays, and then um, Thursdays is more marketing focused. Oh, they just happen every week. You kind of invite people to. Yep, we just have it up all the time. Wow, and th- those are live, or those like recorded sessions, or? Uh, we call them simuli. <laughs> oh. oh, I get it. I get it. Um, yeah. On Thursday, Tuesday, Thursday. Okay. Cool. Well, I'm probably going to do the same thing myself. It's like, really talk with so many people. You get into my brain. And this was a really interesting conversation. And and the voodoo magic that happens behind the scenes, which I will never understand. <laughs> your voodoo results, magic. Yeah, if the results, you know, oh show, then why not? Especially a time like this where maybe people are definitely not being is out there or not wanting to fill out your form. Well, right. I mean, that's the thing right now is we're just using it to say, who do we just, they've dropped off the radar. We're not going to start pressing them right now. Right. So we can just be a lot more sensitive to, all right, well, it looks like you guys are still in market and this can help you during this challenging time. Do you want to talk more about it? No, not. We respect that. We see, you know, we know what's going on. I mean, we're not, cutthroat <laughs> to your point there are still people in market right i think that's like a you know last minute myth right there are people that are still looking and purchasing and focus on them let everyone else you right. know, do what they need to do definitely i mean you know again back to like the three eyes like we can see you're in this industry yeah just set that aside i mean we're not gonna go after you know retail right now (laughs) (laughs) or um travel um you know we can just set that aside we can look at who can we really help right yeah there it is boom 
thank you so much for coming on here. This has been like eye-opening and fun and just it's good. Oh good. Thanks for having me. It was it was a blast. Absolutely. And for those of you listening, if you learned something, and I know you did, because I literally have two pages of notes, then share this with someone and be a thought leader to one person, two people, 23 people, 78 people. Share it and uh, be the thought leader. This is just, this has been awesome. Lisa, thanks again. This is so cool. We'll definitely have to check this out. Yeah, right. Keep in touch. Thank you. Will do. Right. Those listening, this has been the hardcore marketing show. It's y'all next time. All right. A big thank you to today's sponsors. Cheshire Impact, helping marketers and sales win, maximizing the use of Pardot and Salesforce. And a big thank you to Qualified.com, the number one live chat and chat bot platform for Salesforce and Pardot. Remember the giveaway. If you have Salesforce Pardot and you want a free copy of my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed, then you go over to Qualified.com, engage in the chat, do a demo, and tell them that Casey sent you, and that book will be on its way to your door. All right. We'll see you all in the next one.